clarity and inspiration is an art in itself. But there are so many factors that can pull us down so easily, so fast. Any little thing can topple us, topple us and our balance. Little disappointment and our inspiration and the motivation to look forward for the next moment in life gets drained. The husband doesn't listen to the wife, wife doesn't listen to the husband, drained. Or you know the children and uh, parents. Or you have been aiming for doing something and suddenly that whole thing that you have planned, it's now ruined. As simple a ruin as uh, you had planned an outing and there was a thunderstorm. The whole thing got wiped out. Four or five times such repeated experiences happen, then you come to a conclusion. Too soon. So you start making a conclusion. <laughs> that something is wrong with my stars. The stars are not well aligned. I think I am doomed for such a depressive existence only because nothing goes as I have planned. It always has to you know, get scattered, get spoiled, get... I am just taking one aspect of life. Then that one aspect is sufficient enough to 
derail us from our inspired living. In order to lead that inspired living on a consistent, persistent manner, the mind has to constantly be whipped up to something higher, something ideal. And that ideal wherein it's the Lord of your heart and the different glories of that Lord when we start reading. It becomes convenient for that mind to always look up that if I were, if the Lord himself were in this situation or if the beloved of my heart was, that which inspires me is, was in this situation, how would they have acted, reacted or responded to the situation? The various aspects to look forward for, to keep that mind constantly on that focal point. To gather that intellect with that constant clarity. Whenever the mind is focused and the intellect is clear, there is a high level of inspiration needed. So the Rishis have always said, like even in Bhajagovindam, in the last, after talking the entire Vedanta, in its most uh, unquoted reality. Bhajagavindam, I love it because there is no sugar coating there. And he smacks the jiva all around. Now, having smacked Vedantic standpoints on that jiva, on that sadhaka, at the end, he also says, Geyam Gita Nama Sahasram Dheyam Shripati Rupam Ajasram So all said and done. At least cultivate a simple habit. Geyam Gita Read at least one shloka per day with the meaning and try to imbibe that meaning in your life. Nama Sahasram Spend at least once a time, once at least in your day a time wherein you can chant that Sahasranamavali. While you chant that Sahasranamavali, understand each word and the meaning behind it. One of those thousand words will shoot an inspired moment in you to carry forward for the entire day. Dhyayam Shripati Rupa Majasram. Meditate on the form of the Lord. That Lord who is the most beloved of you, who is seated right in your life. Meditate on that form. So how do we keep ourselves inspired? Understand this Sahasranama. In that effort, we have come till the 59th Shloka. So please repeat after me. Vistarasthavarasthanuhu Vistarasthavarasthanuhu Pramanam Bijamavyayam Bijamavyayam Artho Nartho Mahakoshaha Mahabhogo Mahadhanaha 
Yesterday we have already seen the first sentence Vistarasthavarasthanuhu Pramanam Bijam Avyayam. He is that undecaying, unending resource, resource of everything. He is the seed for everything. That was the last word that we saw. Bijam Avyayam. He is a seed. Don't worry about uh, what will happen in the end day. You take care. Right? There is nowhere soon. And there is enough resources that he provides for everyone to survive. And he takes care of things meticulously. Have that confidence. That he definitely takes care. Before he can take care, we in our uh, inadvertent anxiety, we mess up his plan. And then he is like, oh, I have to again change this and then start working towards helping this fellow. Pramanam Bijam. Next word. Arthaha. Arthaha. The wealth is also called Artha. A meaning of something is also called Artha. Now why these two words mean the same thing? The meaning of something is Artha. Wealth also means Artha. Because that which is desired by everyone, therefore called Artha. Therefore it is called wealth. Wealth is called Artha because everybody desires it. Right? Is there anybody who is not desiring wealth? While you are a student, you still want money, especially if you are growing up in an Indian family. So what do you do to get money? So this fellow said, I write. I was impressed. I said, where do you publish your articles? Is there any magazine or you know, are you kind of a small time journalist or something? No, no, no. I write to my parents and they send me the check. How do you get your money? I write. A very professional way of saying it. So a student requires wealth. A grahastha requires wealth. Right? A grahastha requires wealth for running so many things. And in Kali Yuga, even sannyasis and gurus want wealth. Why? So that they can pool that and serve the society back again. And there are of course those bad apples. And we are not talking about those bad apples. We are talking about the pure intelligence. In the earlier days, there was no necessity for the uh, guru of a guru kula to run around 
and demand any kind of wealth. There were enough patrons who saw the valid, genuine uh, effort being put and they would come forward to patronize, to give the support. And nowadays it is not that they don't want to give. It, it has become a responsibility to, of the Guru and the Gurukula to go teach them to give. Sanyasis are also asking for money. Vanaprastha, what do you call that? 401k? That is the Vanaprastha, right? Is that also wealth? So any walk of life, you would find that wealth is desired, therefore it's called Artha. There is one thing which is subtler than this wealth that everybody seeks. What is that? Meaning of life. What is it that truly brings meaningfulness to our life and living is that Lord. Therefore, He is called Artha. That by understanding whom meaningfulness comes into our life, therefore He is called Artha, the meaning of our life. So what should be our purpose of life? To find that meaning. Wherever you are involved, whatever are your responsibilities, whatever are your different chores that you perform, through them to find that Paramatma is the purpose and the meaning of our life. It could be as simple as that. But in order to find that Paramatma through these various actions that can be performed, it can be quite distracting. So distracting that that which you are involved in becomes important and Paramatma is not even secondary, not even tertiary. It's somewhere down the list. Therefore, our lives become so meaningless. That way we have everything. But do we find meaningfulness in it? How do you find that meaningfulness? If you reprioritize life, that all these efforts are turned towards that Paramatma alone. That every walk of life, whatever you are doing, you are doing as a service to that Lord alone. As parents you are working and uh, sacrificing for your children. Instead of looking at it as an investment for the future, that I am taking care of them now so that they will take care of me then, see it as a service of the Lord. In that form, that Lord is giving me an opportunity to serve Him. To look at the spouse, to look at the, the parents, to look at the in-laws, to look at various relationships, various interactions. When you look at it that way, it seems humongous. Everyone that you interact with, treat them as God. 
how many do you how many do you interact on a day to day basis maximum how many 8 10 15 people find that positive traits in them and see that god reflecting through that individual how difficult is it so most of us 8 to 9 you know monday through friday the same pattern of life now all that you have to invoke is consciously see that lord that meaningfulness artha okay we get the concept of artha as if to understand paramatma is easy we create this confusions in between is a artha then in the meaning of life is also anartha in hindi the word anartha even in sanskrit for that matter what does anartha mean in hindi not useless and they say anarth ho gaya anarth ho gaya something terrible something uh, disastrous has happened anarth here it is not that meaning. that meaning also is there for the word anarth if arth meant that which is desired by everyone here anarth means the one who has absolutely no desires somebody once defined it very beautifully what is the difference between paramatma and jivatma very simple he has all shakti all power but no desires we have all desires but no shakti you just have to flip to realize that he has all powers don't we say that he is sarva shaktiman sarva vyapaka sarva sarvantaryami sarvagnya he is omniscient omnipotent he says and he has absolutely no desires whereas us we have all desires and absolutely no shakti to pursue anything anartha the one who does not have any desires why does he is aptakamah aptakamah all his desires are already fulfilled think about it what is this expanse of creation this expression each one having entertaining different desires and trying to fulfill all these desires 
who is actually the one who is enjoying it? It's him alone. In fact, the last word here also says Mahabhogaha. He is the one who is the actual enjoyer of everything, without whose presence nothing can be enjoyed. So why doesn't he have any, why doesn't he entertain any desires? Because without entertaining any desires, he has enough entertainment. Plus, he is described as the one who has absolute glory. Everything belongs to him, everything is available for him. There is this beautiful Bhagavan Krishna's portrait. It comes in the Markandeya Purana. In that portrait, you know what the painters have visualized. This Rishi has a very peculiar desire, a peculiar boon to ask of the Lord. He says, O oh Lord, not any, anybody in this creation has never experienced pralaya. I want to experience the, the wrath of that pralaya. Bhagavan says, so much tapas done for this. No, but I want to experience that. And there is a whole experience of his pralaya experience explained. And at the end, he sees the Lord. He sees the Lord on a, a people leaf. You may have seen this portrait. Like, you know, in the waters, there is a people leaf and there is Bhagavan Krishna floating on that people leaf with his toe in his mouth. <clears throat> that is when this Rishi gets the realization. When he sees that and all this Maya or Pralaya vanishes and he becomes one with the Lord. And what is the realization there? He says, Bhoktacha Prabhurevacha. He is the one who is enjoying and the one who is being enjoyed as well. When you are sucking on your toe, what are you enjoying? Your own toe. And who is the one enjoying? Yourself. So the entire creation is that way, your own expression. And who is the one who is enjoying having that entertainment? It's like a director who has directed and uh, you know produced and uh, scriptwrited, playwright, everything. And he is having it screened for himself. whole creation is that way. His bhoga alone. Therefore he does not entertain. That which is being given as a bonus, that which is anywhere byproduct, why do I have to create another set of desires to enjoy? There are enough desires already. And behind every desire, it is I alone who is relishing. Anarthaha. Another deep meaning here. If 
we prioritize anything other than him as a priority in our life if that is not our main priority what we end up experiencing is anartha therefore he is called anartha we experience all terrible turbulences inside why because of our lack of focus lack of priority as the lord being our priority this is arthaha anarthaha mahakoshaha mahakoshaha so the explanation given is mahantaha koshaha annama annamayadayaha प्राणमय मनोमय विज्ञानमय एंड आनंदम अन्नमय अन्नमय दैट व्हिच इज सस्टेन्ड बाय फूड सर्वाइव्स ऑन फूड सॉरी दैट व्हिच इज प्रोड्यूस्ड बाय फूड दैट इज सस्टेन्ड बाय फूड एंड दैट व्हिच बिकम्स फूड फॉर अनदर फॉर्म ऑफ बीइंग यू एंड आई आल्सो इजंट इट Whether you are burnt or buried, there is only two methods. Right? Once it seems, <clears throat> Guru Dev was some at somebody's place. It was a birthday of that little kid, and there were about three, four generations in that family. there was great grandfather there was grandfather there was father there was this fourth generation kid and that fourth generation kid birthday was being celebrated and they had a guest book everybody you know they were asking them to write a blessing or some something or wishes wishes and things like that and sign so they brought that book first page and gave it to gurudev and gurudev wrote something which shocked the entire family <clears throat> he said may the great grandfather die may the grandfather die may the father die may the grandson grandchild may he die om chinmaya and they looked at the first page first message they were all like oh my god what is this message is it understanding meaning behind the words may death not snatch everybody out of sequence may first the grandfather depart uh, great grandfather depart then may the grandfather depart whenever it is due 
then the father, then the child. What will happen if there is a sequential disorder? There is a pain for everybody. Similarly, whether we are, whether death is inevitable, whenever it happens, we turn to become food. How can you become food when you, when you are burnt? Everything is burnt into ashes. Where are these ashes traditionally asked by our ancestors to go merge this? In perennial waters. Either in the ocean or in the perennial waters. Meaning perennial rivers. Not some pool outside the house. It has to be taken to the Ganga, Yamuna, or Godavari, Krishna, Tungabhadra, Kaveri, various such rivers, and you merge it in there. Why? These waters, enriched with this carbon, go as feeders for all these fields. So the water which is enriched by the carbon, goes to the fields and becomes, you know, what is the best fertilizer? Ashes. And becomes enriching, it enriches the earth, enriches the plants, enriches the food that is, you know, whether you are buried or burned. Yeah, that's the best thing. Ash is the best. <clears throat> you know, when uh, and I have been in Vijayawada for about eight years, and one of the, the prominent crops there is sugarcane and paddy. So one year they have, you know, if that field which is for sugarcane cannot be used for any other thing because it sucks up all the nutrients, sugarcane especially. So what do they do after the sugarcane plantation is done? They clean up the entire place and piles all over, they burn it. So that carbon itself becomes, it is mixed again into the soil and they have their cash crops. Why that carbon is? Very good. So it is, you know, that which is born out of food, sustained by food, and then merges to become food, Annamaya. Then comes Pranamaya. The sequence is, uh, we start from the grossest and go to the subtlest. The grossest is uh, that which has least pervasiveness and the subtlest is uh, that which has highest pervasiveness. Annamaya, then comes Pranamaya. Prana is more pervasive than the body. And what does it do? It goes in and it divides itself into various physiological activities. Technically, it divides itself into 49 different kinds of physiological activities, of which there are five main categories. Those five main categories are Prana, Apana, Vyana, Udana and Samana. 
and it is because of this physiological activities that there is hunger therefore we say pranaya swaha apanaya swaha vyanaya swaha udanaya swaha samanaya swaha when we are offering naivedya to the lord this aspect i think we saw yesterday as well right so prana portion that enlivening breath this is oxygen that goes in that is the pranamaya pranamaya and then manomaya manomaya this manomaya layer is the layers of thoughts emotions and these thoughts and emotions are various kinds various emotions but it is subtler than the prana because it can go everywhere for this body to enter into this country you need a valid visa to go to any country for that for the mind to go travel anywhere does it need visa is definitely if your mind is wandering now then definitely i would want your mind to come back here because you don't have the visa for wandering i may show some restrictions but in reality does that mind have any uh, you'll be sitting in the lecture and uh, suddenly the mind takes off and becomes quite visible also when there is somebody looking at you and listening there is that spark of understanding that that keeps twinkling inside and suddenly it becomes blank eyes are open then the the spark becomes blank there is no reaction why the manomaya has gone out sometimes i should have a recorder here and record those moments benefits of satsang entertainment as well manomaya manomaya is seat of emotions vijnanamaya subtler than manaha manas always goes into the realm of known show anything which is known the mind will immediately recognize it what is this what is this ah it is not just a bottle but it's a water bottle or it is bottled water how how quick was the answer because the mind functions seamlessly in the realm of no if the intellect is the one which works in the realm of unknown that which has not been experienced by the by the system prior experience doesn't exist the intellect starts probing starts investigating starts analyzing so that is where intellect comes into picture आनंदमय कोशः 
This is the only place where you can say ignorance is bliss. Anywhere else that statement used is meaningless. Ignorance of what? Ignorance of one's own self. And in that loss of identity, what happens? There is one state that we experience. It is called deep sleep state. In that deep sleep state, you are so absorbed into that, uh, I won't say non-existence, but absence of the mind and intellect functioning. Absence of the mind and intellect functioning, therefore you are into that ignorant stage. Therefore try to do this test. I have tried asking this test and everybody has failed in this test. I might as well ask you all. Are you ready? Up for it? I have asked the smartest of the smart kind. But they have failed. Are you ready? Up for it? Oh smart listeners. Try to find, try to identify the exact moment when you will fall asleep. What happens if you are making note of it? How about if I record, have a recorder on with a time map, which will tell me exactly what time I slept. The recorder is awareful. You are not awareful. You be awareful while you are falling asleep. So there is this Mullah Nasruddin goes. So Mullah Nasruddin goes to this new place and he is twisting and turning in that new place in the night. He is not able to sleep. There is a whole lot of story there. I am just cutting it short and telling you the, the straight. So he is turning and twisting. He is not able to sleep in that very comfortable uh, bed. He comes out and uh, searches for some water to drink. The host also wakes up because he hears some sound and he says, You didn't. How come? They said, I don't know. I'm usually the one who sleeps first. I don't know why I'm not able to. So he says, uh, You know, the curtain had these beads. <coughs> He said, keep counting these beads, you'll fall asleep. You know, when mind becomes dull, in a monotonous thing, you'll fall asleep. In the morning, the host wakes up. So he is like, uh, you know, 3 lakh, 452, something in number he is counting. And he sees the host and slaps him one time. So why did you slap me? He said, you put me on this job. I could not sleep. Thing is, when you when you are awake, you are conscious, you are awareful. Try to get into sleep with awareness. Mark that time exactly when you fell asleep. 
very difficult right if you enter the state of ignorance there is no mind and intellect functioning therefore there is no cognition that is called anandamaya kosha there are various other definitions of anandamaya kosha there were other details of manomaya and vijnanamaya also i am just giving you a brief intro here all these five layers function in their own fields efficiently because of the presence of something that enlivens each one of these layers that enlivening factor is called mahakosha mahakosha or the atma because of that presence of that atma tatva all these layers are functional therefore another name for that atma is mahakoshah so where do you find that paramatma paramatma is like an anil why do you not eat onions because they are respect worthy and this making things up here i have a disclaimer also why is he like an onion you keep peeling the layers he is layered or in winter he is somebody like uh, somebody from new york or minneapolis how many layers do you live in so there is uh, the you know the undergarment and on that there is uh, a shirt and a pant and then there is on the top of it there is a sweater and then there is this so the uh, lower most layer is maybe uh, small size by the time you come to the third uh, layer it is medium by the time it is the fifth layer it is large because you have stopped you cannot wear small on all sizes of layers so where is that paramatma layered in right here so whatever questions you have why did god do this take a notebook whenever you have those pet peeves that why did god do this why is god doing this write them down okay. seriously write them down keep it treasure it that day when you realize that god is here ask all those questions to yours who else can answer those better other than god find him asking when you realize that it is you you have only two options you look at those questions as foolish and drop it or you worry you know why did i even write this question now i have to answer the one therefore it is okay to say that it is not you know somebody out there who is doing this stuff to us it is i myself doing it to myself 
महाकोश महाभोग महाभोग एक्सटेंडिंग फ्रॉम दट अनर्थ इज दन हूज इन द फॉर्म ऑफ ऑल दीज डिजायर एंड दन हू एंजॉयज ऑल दीज डिजायर विदउट दट परमात्मा इन देर परमात्मा तत्व आत्म तत्व इन देर कैन यू रिलेश The dead body did not say, "Turn the fan here. I'm feeling really hot in this uh, confines of a coffin." The dead body did not, uh, you know, demand, "Please, you know, put a cushion under my uh, the shoulder. This this piece of wood is hurting me." As a Uh, I have been lying down for a while. A chai to lie. Get me a cup of tea. No. Because that spark of consciousness is not there anymore. That Atma Tattva is not there in that anymore. Therefore, there is no enjoyment. The enjoyment happens. Only when there is now in a deeper Vedantic sense. Whenever we have a desire, whenever, whatever, whether it is infinitesimally small desire or a huge desire, big desire, whenever we have had desires, what happens? it's as simple a desire as i should have a bottle of when i should have a sip of water my throat is feeling parched so when did that thought of uh, thirst come in when i was describing anarthaha i'm giving you an example okay drink who is stopping you sir There was a thought flow happening, and I didn't want to break the thought flow. So I said there are three or four more words. Let me finish it while I'm chanting the shloka. I ask you to repeat. In that repetition, I take a sip. I keep waiting. But in between, the thirst has grown stronger. The desire for thirst has grown stronger. So the first thought was, I'm thirsty. And uh, you are thirsty. Why don't you take that bottle of water? Drink that water. Drink that water now. When the thought layer gets agitated, what happens when you finally open the bottle and drink, take a sip of that water? Yeah, when you are really thirsty and it is hot out there, and you get one cool cup of water, such a blissful experience. That is when you will say, water also has taste. 
what happens that ananda where is it coming from that sense of enjoyment which is happening is not in that vastu but it is in the self which is opening up the self which is you know illumining forth when all the thought agitation subsides what bursts forth what illumines forth is called mahabhoga but wrongly what do we do we identify that vastu as the sense of that which is giving me happiness therefore i keep craving for that vastu more saying that my happiness is in that vastu my happiness is in that person my happiness is in that time or space mahabhogah that sense of enjoyment that which reflects that which is illumined at that time of interacting with that vastu sthala or vyakti is the self alone which is beaming that self is called mahabhogah mahadhanah mahadhanah what is the greatest dhana wealth there are various statements arogyam arogya dhanasu so there is talking about arogya dhana and sampada all three are required this is a statement in the suktas it says that having the health in prime condition is the greatest wealth then there are those who say the greatest dhana is sadhana don't ask me who is <laughs> sadhana are the समाधानतिक्षा श्रद्धा समाधान एंड डेवलपिंग दीज क्वालिटी तिथिक्षा दैट इज कॉल्ड साधन महाधन धन ग्रेटेस्ट धन इज दि means for attaining moksha that is the greatest wealth means for attaining moksha is the greatest wealth how do you know that his grace is showering forth on us when the intensity to realize one oneself or that paramatma in different forms ishta daiva when that intensity to realize that paramatma in that ishta daiva form intensifies then understand that his grace is showered us what triggers us towards it can be various factors 
you know, for uh, somebody, you know, Ekanath and Tukaram, they both had wives. I don't know which one, but one's wife was Tukaramji's wife was terrible, so terrible that constantly nagging, scolding, criticizing. And the moment he saw her, he would close his eyes and say, Dhyana. And one of his abhanga, he says, Oh God, thank you that you have provided me such a wife who inspires me to meditate on you just by mere presence of her. Eganath, on the other hand, had a very you know, loving, serving wife. And he also in one of his Abhanga says, Oh Lord, thank you for giving me such a wife who takes care of all these needs that my mind need not be deviated from your thought. Okay, there was Narsi Mehta whose wife passed away and he says, Thank goodness she has passed away, oh God, you have taken her. Now my whole focus is only you. What triggers us towards that Lord? Having a lot of wealth triggers it. Like Buddha. <coughs> Losing all that wealth triggers it. Like Purandar Dasa. Well, he was a stingy miser. He did not really give. His wife gives his, her uh, nose ring. And this Brahmana, who is nothing but the Lord coming in that Vesha, takes that ring to her husband to say that, you know, I have come to pawn this uh, nose ring. Give me. Hmm. My wife's nose ring, you bring it to me and I have to pawn you for that. He says, hold him here, let me go check my check with my wife. She goes home and then she's about to drink poison. Saying that, you know, I, I don't have it, now what will I say to my husband? I don't want to lie. And in that, the nose ring falls. So she immediately cleans it and brings it to her husband and gives it to him and say, and he looks at it and says, where did this come from? And he looks at his pocket, it is gone. Then he goes back into that person to find that person and uh, you know, he is supposed to be locked in the room and until he comes back. He is gone. He opens the door as he sees he is gone. Then he gets the dream and he, he leaves the household, he leaves all the wealth. He goes onto the streets saying that and searching for that Lord who has come to awaken me from all this wealth. Somebody who loses it gets into the path, somebody who has it gets into the path. Somebody who has a wife gets into the 
what triggers does not matter. You get triggered. That triggering moment is the greatest to So don't complain to the Lord saying, Oh Lord, why is this happening to me? My only question is, Oh Lord, good that this is happening. Make sure that this brings me closer to you. Not away from you. However be the experience, if it can bring me closer to you. May every experience bring me closer to you only. Mahatma. That which takes us closest to the Lord as the means of attaining Him, that is called Mahadhana. <coughs> Repeat after me. Anirvinnasta Vishto Bhuhu Vinnasta Vishto Bhuhu Dharma Yupo Mahamakaha Mahamakaha Nakshatra Nemir Nakshatri Nakshatra Nemir Nakshatri Shamahakshama Samihanaha <clears throat> Anirvinnaha the one who is griefless. Why is he griefless? Because he does not have any desires. Apta Kamatva. Anirvinnaha, the one who does not have any grief. Grievous. Why do we grieve? We grieve because of, purely because of two things. If it is purely love, then it should not lead, lead to grief. There are two factors that lead us to grief. One is like or likes, and the second one is dislikes. Our own likes and dislikes are the triggering points or the factor which brings in grief. Imagine, for imagination, if there were no likes and dislikes. Would there be vulnerability of grief? Can there be a vulnerability of grief? And why do we entertain these desires? We entertain these desires so that we can uh, have a hamster syndrome or a treadmill syndrome. Do you know hamster syndrome? You run and run and run, reaching nowhere. That's what the hamster does. Eh? It's running there. Where do you reach? Nowhere. Similar is the treadmill syndrome. 
you sweat it out. Where did you reach? Nowhere. Where I started, I am right there. At any given point of time. The likes and dislikes also like that. And as God, you know, has humor. What is his sense of humor? All that which I dislike is all around me. All that which I like is far away from me. So we have a double purposeful run, marathon, all life long. Running away from things that I dislike and running for things that I like. When we were young, we wanted to be old. Then we do all sorts of things to look older. And now that we are old, anybody saying that you are old <coughs> irritates us. And now we want to be young. If somebody says, uh, talk to those old people standing there. Who are you telling uh, you're old? We are young at heart. No arguments. That which we like is far away. That which we don't like is all around us. People, material, objects, opportunities. That's what they say, right? Where is it green? On the other side of the fence. Whenever there is a grihastha who has a little fight, the first thing that they think, leave everything, drop everything and become a sannyasi. <coughs> Why? It looks green on the other side. So there was this Yuva Kendra boy. He saw that the food comes, you know, people come, and many things come, you know, unasked for. Your life is awesome. You know, wish I had such life. Come with me wherever I go. You can spend seven days with me. Come with me wherever I go for seven days. After the seventh day, then you can tell me if my life is really awesome. So by the third day, he said, I'm done. I'm quitting. And he had not even seen my serious uh, schedules or serious interactions at various levels. You know what made him quit? I thought food comes to you and unasked for and you don't need to put effort and things. But even anything that is given. 
whatever is given unchallenged how is it possible i cannot handle it i thought i can get used to it i can't handle it my stomach is upset This fellow dreams of becoming that. That fellow dreams of becoming this. Constantly, it is that likes and dislikes layer is the very cause for our grief. And the Lord does not have any any kind of desires. And when. Because of his being anirvindha, whenever a devotee truly calls for him, he never tires in fulfilling what is required, what is necessary for that devotee. He provides anirvindha, the one who is who does not have desires, hence therefore grief does not have grief. Therefore, he is available for the devotee who is in grief when they call for to uplift them from their grief. Anirvindha, Savishtha, Savishtha, Vairaja Rupena Sthitaha, it is Savishtha, Savishtha, the one. Who is the most ancient one? Ancient one with what respect? Everything else can be compared in time, and he beats them all because it is I created time. It's like in your own dream. All the characters in your dream are created by you, and who can pull the plug on all all of them? You are you only have become the male, female, animate, inanimate, movable, immovable, everything. Everything in that that which has been created by you. Can be timed. The one you who have created that environment, can you be timed in that environment? Similarly, with this creation, he is the one who is the most ancient one because he is the one who has created. Everything else can be mapped. He is. Unmapped, because there is no time that reaches him. Therefore, he is the most ancient one. Havishtha, Abhuhu, Abhuhu is the similar one which we will chant for Guru Dev's Ashtotra Namavali. We say, Ajaya Namaha, Ajaya Namaha. 
the unborn one. Who means to be, to be born. Abhuhu, the one which is unborn. The one which is unmanifest. There are some who even read this as Sthavishtaha Bhuhu. Bhuhu, the one who is in the form of earth, which is providing us this opportunity to purge our vasanas and reach back unto him. He also creates this creation, also provides this environment for us to purge all these negative tendencies and reach to him. Bhuhu and Abhuhu, both are the meanings. But traditionally it is Abhuhu. So Abhuhu means the one who is unmanifest, the one who is unborn. The one who is never born. I'll tell you one, uh, one of the concepts which comes in various scriptures in the Hindu mindset. It may throw off balance of various concepts that we have had so far. I am warning you before. All this which is created as a creation is merely a thought at a thought level of Narayana. All this which is, is nothing but just a thought of Narayana. You and I discussing about this being thought is also a thought in, in that realm. So what do we have to do? Disidentify from being a thought to realize that I was never born. And this is the concept of our Gaudapadacharya's Karika. In Gaudapadacharya's Karika, they question him, what is your take on creation? Do you know what he says? He says, first prove the existence of creation, then we will talk about the theories of creation. Because logically it is impossible to prove creation. So you go figure that first. Then I will prove the various theories of creation. Because all that it is, is nothing but in the subtle layer of Lord Narayana's thought alone. And he is spinning this, he is spinning this thought sequence again and again. Why? Leela Martha. For his entertainment, for his Leela, Abhu. So that which is never expressed, that which has never come to be, what is there to grieve about? That who is grieving is unreal. How real can be the grief? That Ahankara which is grieving is itself unreal. How real can be the grief? 
get over it and get established in the core of one's own being. That alone is true. Anirvinnaha sthavishtaha ahu. Now dharma yupaha mahamakaha that you will see tomorrow. Om Purnamadaha Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamataya Purnameva Vasashyate Om Shanta Shanta Shanti Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om